Well, I'm really excited about what we're going to be doing for the month of January. I actually planned this, what, six months ago on how I felt the Lord wanted us to start this month. That I want to use this month to try to create a retreat without going on retreat for all of us. That I want to use January for all of us to focus or refocus us on what's most important as we launch into this year. Because, you know, I know we're all getting tired of hearing 2020, 20, you know, 20 is gone, it's in the books. But you know what? The residual of it is real. I'm seeing it in the life of our people. I'm seeing it in my life. That there's just been, it's just been a long drudgery through a lot of stuff. And I think we were talking with somebody this morning. They said, they said, I think the most challenging thing has been just uncertainty. And we've been living in a lot of uncertainty, and we're not really used to that as Americans. We're used to having our one-year plan, our five-year plan, and our ten-year plan. And, and honestly, because there's usually been pretty stable, we can just work it out. Well, guess what? We've hit kind of reality. We've kind of stuck up against reality, like many other people on the planet experience all the time, is uncertainty. And I want to launch this year. We can't change the world. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want us to launch our life on the foundation on the standing on the solid ground of being in a, in a great position with Jesus in our lives. And, you know, we can, we, that can all get pushed off to the side. I want us to set January as a time, and I know we say we always do this, but I want to say I want to help us to just focus this month so it put us on a good foundation to launch us into, the, into a great year, no matter what happens. So I want us to focus on our relationship with God, our, our growing closer in a relationship to the, to the awesome gift we've been giving of, of, of living in relationship in the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that they welcomed the incarnation, was expanding the Trinity and saying, come into relationship in a different way with us. You know, we're filled with the Spirit. And so, so I want us to launch into this year just doing our part to just really get on solid ground. And what we're going to do um, to focus on our relationship is to follow a template for this month that has been used in Christian circles for almost 500 years. That we're going to use the Ignatian Retreat as a guide for the next five Sundays for us. We're going to kind of try to do this, try to help you go on retreat without going on retreat. And maybe some of you aren't familiar with the Ignatian Retreat. Are some of you are? Um, basically, a Christian minister named Ignatius created a template for helping Christians evaluate their lives, and a big part of this evaluation, evaluate their lives. So, one of the difference between what we're going to try to do in the next five weeks and what maybe we normally do is a lot of times, I talk, you listen. That's just the way it's designed, right? But I'm going to try to talk, and hopefully I always try to do this, but I talk, and I'm trying to help you then say, now what do I do with this over the next seven days? Kind of like to be on retreat with the Lord over these next seven days. Um, Help us evaluate our lives, and then help us see what can be as we go forward walking with Jesus into into this year. That we can understand that we can be more fully formed in Christ. That we can love people more, that we can forgive more fully, that we can be freer 
from the entanglements of the mess of the world that sidetracks us so often and gets us off into tangents that we can be freer from that. Now, the way Ignatius originally helped people through a process to try to help them evaluate and focus on what could be is he took people on a 30-day retreat. And he and now, it would be nice to do that, but I don't know if it's practical. Um, a 30-day retreat. And he led them through a process. Um, and in this process, he broke it into, into segments. And he called the segments weeks. Now, they weren't all seven days long in this 30 days, but he led them into, into blocks of time that he called weeks. And each one of those weeks had a different emphasis. Now, obviously, we can't all go to some retreat center for 30 days and do what he did. But I really think this, I honestly believe this, if we did, we would be better off. I honestly believe it. If we did, we took 30 days and shut down everything and did just spent this time with the Lord, I believe we'd be infinitely better off. But life happens, right? And some of us got to go to work, right? I understand. We've got to raise our kids. But we can take the five Sundays of January and use each one for me to explain what the objective that we can have for that week um, that, that today and the seven days that follows, and then give each of us some guidance on what we could do during that week to engage with the Lord in the Ignatian retreat process of being alone together with God. So each week we're going to start by laying out an objective for that week, what Ignatius called the grace I seek. And there's a handout that's going to be available for you. It's on the Connection Center. It's on Facebook. It's on the website. Uh, a handout that will give you some guidance, explain the grace I seek, and then give some scriptures and stuff pertaining to that. And then we'll look at various scriptures that can help us um, explore that desire of that grace that we seek that week. And also during each, each one of these weeks, these five weeks, I'll explain, a spirit, I'll explain a spiritual practice that you can participate in over the following seven days that can, I believe this, give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister into your life in that particular area. So that's kind of where we're going to go for the next 30 days, the next, the next five Sundays. And before we get into our topic for today, I want to suggest you do two things for January. And they're, they're kind of overriding this whole retreat thing. Number one is that you'd get yourself a journal. Now, you know that old saying I always say, when you point the finger, remember there's three more pointing back at you? I have intended to journal for 40-some years as a Christian, and I start and I stop. Suzanne journals all the time. I don't know how many journals I have, but I started and I stop. It just, it's like it's hard for me. But everybody I know that journals says how good it is. And I know we all have different temperaments, but I'm going to say this for 30 days. They say if you do something for 21 days, you can create a habit. For 30 days, I'm going to tell every one of you, say, it's not me. Just quiet. Stop arguing with me. <laughs> and just for 30 days, get a notebook. And at least one time a day, this is overriding the whole thing, you will sit in some silence for a little bit of time, maybe 15 minutes or 30 minutes, as part of your time with the Lord, and you will just write out some of your thoughts and your prayers, some of your struggles and challenges, and you'll just write them out. Now, I know when I do this, it has great value. Number one, it helps me process. It helps me also see answered prayer, because I look back and I go, man, I asked God to do that, and it happened. And we usually just move through life, and we don't even acknowledge what happened, um, you know, when we asked the Lord to do earlier. Um, and it also helps us just focus on what's really going on in my life. So I'm going to challenge all of us to get a notebook, get a journal. And for the next 30 days, 
just begin, take some time each day, write, you know, the date on the top of the page or whatever, and just begin to journal your thoughts for the next 30 days. So that's kind of one overarching thing this, this next 30 days. The other thing is this. I'm going to challenge you that at some level incorporate fasting into this, into this time. Normally, well, we, we usually do the one week, first week or the second week of the year, of the new year, and we have a week of fasting and prayer. We talk a lot about prayer, a lot about fasting, and we provide you with information for it, and some participate, some don't. Um, but here's what I think about fasting. That's why we, do, why we always had it in the beginning of the year. A lot of us do fasting because it's just about weight loss, right? Like, oh, I'll fast. I'll go to things and I'll lose some weight. I think there's a purpose behind fasting that's really important. And I don't think it's necessarily spiritual. I think what it does, it says to me, I'm really serious about this right now. I think the thing that fasting does for me is that I am saying, you know what, I'm even willing to give up food. One thing it does, it always reveals to me the the strength of my flesh, that my flesh is pulling at me all the time. So when I incorporate fasting at all, it shows me, man, you got this screaming voice called the flesh all the time, and it makes you realize, but how, much, how come I'm not really paying attention to that screaming voice? That's the spirit. And so it shows me that, but it just says, God, I'm really serious. In my mind, it's not that I'm earning anything with God. It's me. It's showing me. It's something I'm, something I'm getting serious about what I'm doing. And so you know what? Um, I would just say in some way try to incorporate fasting. Maybe it's fasting a meal every certain day. Maybe it's taking a period of time. What I'm going to do, not that you have to follow it all, is I'm going to fast every Monday through this period of time. And I, that's what I'm going to set aside. You know, normally do a week. I'm just going to set aside so that it keeps reminding me the whole time. I'm going to set aside, and you can fast any way. You know, your health issues, you know, fasting is setting aside some food, or all fo- some food or all food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. Then you fill that time you would have been eating with prayer. And so over the next 30 days, in some way, because this is between you and God, somehow incorporate, as you're journaling, incorporate fasting into this, into this week or into this month. And here's my hope. After the crazy, unsettling year that we just concluded, that what we do right now in this next 30 days is we'd really reset as we go into 2021. It just, just really be in a good place with the Lord. So anybody who's ever been on a, maybe a week-long retreat or a three-day retreat, you'd know that generally you walk out the other side and you go, man, I'm feeling good. It's just because we're prioritizing Jesus. I want us to build to do that without getting away anywhere because life is life and not all of us can just, you know, take off and go, hey, I'm going to a desert retreat for 30 days. We can't do that. And so we want to reset. But here's what I know about, about getting in a good spiritual place that it takes determined intention. And so I'm going to do my best to give us a format and an opportunity that we can give serious attention to our soul care over the next 30 days. But obviously, you're going to participate however you want. You're free to participate in as much or as little as you desire. But we know that spiritual health and spiritual growth takes intentionality. And I want the best for me, and I want the best for you. So I want us to be intentional, intentional about the right thing. Make sense? So let's begin where Ignatius began. Um, Ignatius broke his 30-day retreats into four periods of time that he called weeks. But really, if you look at his stuff, he broke it into five parts. He had four weeks, but he really broke his time into five weeks. 
Um, we see he started with what he called first principle and foundation. And then he went really into the focus of the four weeks. And it's his first principle and foundation that we're going to start today looking at for today and for this week. And what I want us to consider today and for this week, this is kind of, we're going to explain this as, in a little while, as the grace I seek. What we're going to, what we're going to ex- look at today really is this. Today and this week, your mission today and this week is to think about and focus on the goodness and the glory of God. That we're going to think about it. We're going to dwell upon it. We're going to look for it, for the goodness and the glory of God. That we want to marvel at how wonderful God is and especially marvel at how good he has been to each of us in our lives. So to today and this week, we want to see God, uh, I think this, I'm trying to look for a biblical illustration of this. We want to see God the way Isaiah saw God in his temple vision that he had. Many of you are, would be familiar with that. In Isaiah chapter 6, the first four verses, it talks about an, ex, uh, 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 an encounter that Isaiah had with the Lord. And this is what it says about it. In the year of chapter, chapter 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah, of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filled with smoke. And so Isaiah is writing about an experience he had in the temple of an encounter he had with God. And the encounter he had with God, what Isaiah is writing about and what he experienced is that he saw, it says, the greatness and the glory of God. And that's what we want to experience today and this week. And and, and Ignatius is going to give us a plan for how we can do that over the next seven days. We want to experience the greatness and the glory of God this week. Now, a little side note. The next week, the coming week, so you don't want to miss any week this month. So the next week, what we want to experience, we want to experience what Isaiah experienced in the verses just after this. At the very next verse, Isaiah says this, when he saw the glory of the Lord, and it says, then Isaiah said, woe to me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the armies." See, when he saw the glory of God, when you see God's glory and his greatness and his holiness and his goodness, then he recognized his own lack, his own sinfulness. He saw who he really was with no self-deception. That's what we're going to look at next week. But that comes from Isaiah got there by first seeing the glory of the Lord. So today and this week, we want to see the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God. And Ignatius expressed this desire to see that as what he called the grace that I seek. And every week, he'll say, this is the grace I seek this week. And for this first week, looking to the glory and the greatness and the goodness of God, Ignatius said it this way. He said, here's the grace that we want to seek today and this week in this time that we're going to focus our lives on the right way and follow this this, um this outline or this process that can bring us to being in a place of solidness with the Lord. 
And he said, the grace I seek for this time is to see and experience you once again, Lord, afresh and anew. In the beauty of your creation and in the examination of the many ways that you have blessed me in the past. To have a gratitude that might overflow in such a way that I come once again not only to know but also to feel the great love you have for me. So when he said this first part of the, of the well, if you'd get away on a retreat with him, the first thing he said is I wanna, we want to see the greatness and the glory of God. And he put it this way. To see and experience you once again, Lord, afresh and anew. And then the handout and on Facebook, this is written down for you, the grace that I seek. To experience you once again, Lord, afresh and anew in the beauty of your creation and in the examination of the many ways you have blessed me in the past. To have a gratitude that might overflow in such a way that I come once again to not only know, but also to feel the great love you have for me. Friends, that's what what this week we want to be all about. To feel, to experience the great love that God has for us, for each of us, as we see him revealed through creation, and through the past activity of God in our lives. And see, that's, what, that's the two ways Ignatius, as he put this process together, he said, here's two ways that we can spend time in today and the next week looking to experience the greatness and the goodness of God. He said we can look at creation, and we can look at the lives we've already lived. When we look at creation, this is what we see. We see the fingerprint of God. King David understood this. And he wrote this. Look at Psalm 19. Just to, we'll just look at the first couple verses. Look what he wrote. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pour forth his speech, and night to night reveals his knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there these, these, their words, Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterance to the ends of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices the strong men to run his course. It rises from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. And he goes on in the the psalm to talk about the, the glory and the goodness of God through creation. King David understood this. That when we look at creation, we see the fingerprints of God. He's writing about seeing God in creation. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Creation is a revelation of the glory of God. Have you ever thought about why God created an ostrich? Have you ever thought about it? It's a huge bird that has wings and it can't fly, but it can run like the wind. Why? Why would God create an ostrich? I think there's a reason. Because he can. And I think it shows a sense of humor. I think a duckbill platypus does the same thing. But um, it shows his sense. I think it does. I think it shows a sense of humor. Because it wouldn't make sense to make a giant bird. Why does an ostrich have wings when it can't fly and it can run? I think because he can. Have you ever wondered why God created an eagle? Have you ever sat and watched an eagle 
just soaring on the wind effortlessly. Just Have you ever sat and just marveled? I have. Well, we go up north every year for our vacation. There's, and every vacation we go on, it's always just like, God, the one gift I need is I need to see an eagle. Maybe it's not a big deal to you. It is to me. And almost everywhere I go, Susanna's like, oh, there's your eagle. It's like, there's no eagles here. Mark saw one. It's like he places eagles for me. I don't know why. Because I just marvel at watching an eagle fly to soar in the sky. It just says, God, you're amazing. You know, I can't even jump and get six inches off the ground. And an eagle can just float on the wind. Have you ever wondered why a salmon, it lives three, four, or five years, a Chinook salmon, it lives its life, it's, it's, it comes, it's, raised, it's born, eggs, play, eggs and fertilized by a female, fertilized by a male, in a, in a river. And it goes down, it floats down the river, and it becomes a fish eventually. And it goes out, so here, it goes out in Lake Michigan, but those are Atlantic salmon. Atlantic, they come from the ocean. They'd go down a river, they'd go out into, into the ocean for three, four, or five years, generally four years. And at the end of four years, when they're fully developed, and the female's ready to have eggs, and the four-year-old male is ready to fertilize the eggs, they swim back up the river to the exact spot where their eggs were laid. And there they lay their eggs, they fertilize eggs, and they die in the spot that they were born. Have you ever wondered that? You know why you could... So, who are with me fishes for salmon here in Port Washington? A couple of you, okay? Do you know why we catch them in Port Washington? Because they plant them in Port Washington. The DNR, they're all planted fish, they don't naturally reproduce. They, they make them in a... In a Fish factory, basically. They fertilize them. They take fish, and they plant them in our harbor. And they swim out in the lake for four years, and they come back, and they lay their eggs, and they die. And that's why you people go, oh, they're poor salmon. Oh, the salmon's coming in to die. And that's why you see them floating all over the harbor after they lay their eggs and they fertilize their eggs. Have you ever thought about that? A lot of you can't find your way from here to Milwaukee without a GPS. You can't. If you didn't have your phone telling you what to do, you couldn't find your way. If I took most of you and stuck you in the woods with me hunting, you couldn't get out. You have no idea. Suzanne always says, don't you get more than five feet from me in the woods. One day when we were first married, I took off running after a squirrel and up over a ridge lost her, and she is panicked. It's in the UP, in the middle of nowhere. She's panicked because she can't see me because she doesn't know where's north, where's south, where's east, where's west. No idea. I'm like, hey, we're like 50 yards from a road, <laughs> you know, didn't matter. A salmon can f- be planted or be born, eggs laid, in a river in Alaska. And go all the way down the river, all the way out into the ocean for four years, and the exact time, swim back in, lay eggs in the same spot, and die. How is that possible? How we have, I'm, I'm, as older I get, I'm becoming a bird person. It's scary. Because that means you are getting old. My mom's a bird person. That means we're becoming, you know, what we always laughed at. And I have hummingbird feeders. Do you know your, your little favorite hummingbirds you fed all year, making I'm boiling up my nectar? Don't use the red dye, you'll kill them. You know, make my own little stuff. Um, I put a little extra sugar in there to thinking it'd be better than my neighbor's feeders. I don't know if it works. Um, you know where our little hummingbird friends are right now? Mexico and Central America. 
They're that big. How big is a hummingbird's brain? If its whole body is that big, how big? It can't have much of a brain. And they're a whole lot smarter than us because we're sitting in snow and they're on a beach in Mexico right now drinking out of somebody's cup or something, you know, or some banana tree or whatever they are, and we're shoveling snow. How does that little hummingbird get from Mexico or Central America to my feeder in Wisconsin and then fly all the way back down to Mexico the next year or Central America? Because God made it that way. There is no other explanation. God made it. You cannot come up with another explanation. How many stars are in the sky? Can we try to count them? How many galaxies in the heavens? If you look at, listen to scientists who keep exploring, all they keep finding is more. Limitless, unending. We think, oh, this world is all there is. It's nothing. There's this incredible universe around us that is expanding and is full of things that we have no clue about. Have you ever marveled at the color and the beauty of the birds? Stefan, you've got some pictures for me. Or Micah, who's ever back there. I said, I told her, I said, I want you just, and I, I, we don't do this just here. I said, I want you to put some birds. I said, just look at colorful birds and put them up. A, so, who could, if you, if I told you you had to color a bird, you would never think about those colors. What else do we have? Who would ever make them look like this? They're beautiful. Right? Let's look next. They're just, they're, they're unbelievably beautiful. Look at the colors. If you painted your house like that, people would laugh at you. But God paints a bird like that, and it's beautiful. I think we have some fish. Look at these. You know, I have a friend, when I went to Bible college, my roommate was from Hawaii. And he said, you know what? Your fish are ugly. <laughs> He's like, we have beautiful fish. You have ugly fish. What else? I think you picked, you know, I don't know, I'm not a fish guy. Tom, you probably know what these fish are. I think I'm ringing here. Um, at least I'm hearing ringing. Um, that, uh, and there's, what's that? Uh, Nemo. And I think we have Dory next. There's Dory. Um, creation is unbelievable. What, that, what those pictures say to me is just the artistic beauty of God. And this week and today, I encourage you to spend some time looking at the creation that is all around you. Now, I know you're saying, you look out the window, you say, it's white. Um, well, there's some beauty in that. Take a walk down by the lake. There's beauty in that. Two nights ago, when it was snowing, was that last night, night before? It was snowing out hard. It was about 9.30 at night. And we got dressed up and we went for a walk around our neighborhood because of the huge snowflakes. It was already four or five inches of snow. Huge snowflakes. And it was kind of cool because everybody in our subdivision had Christmas lights up. We were just walking and looking at the beautiful snow. And so snow can be pretty for a day or two. Snow can be pretty. But this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to see the glory of God in creation. And you say, but it's everything's white. Here is what I think every one of us can do. Use your phone or your computer. And I want you, this is what I've been doing, this is what I did this week. I want you to type in things like this. Beautiful or colorful birds. Or the Milky Way galaxy. Or 
beautiful mountains, and here's a great one, the world's most spectacular deserts. Those are some of the things I searched this week. And I started doing one, other things just kept popping up. And I just was spending time looking at all of the incredible beauty of this creation, of just this world or the galaxy around us. And what I want for you to do is I want for you to be amazed by God as you see his fingerprints in the creation that's all around us. Do you know what I do? And I really do this, and Suzanne is my witness. When I'm ever feeling like God is a little bit distant, and there's all kinds of times I feel like God just doesn't make any sense. Are you even there? Because we're all people and we all come to those places. You know what I do almost every time? I look at my hand. Honestly, I sit at my desk or wherever and I start going like this. And I start moving my fingers and looking at my hand and I remember that there's not a, not a machine, no matter how complex any machines have ever been made, there's not any machine on the planet that can do anything remotely as nimble and as complex as this hand. And I can do all this, I don't even think about it. And when I look at it, I marvel at the creation of God. When I see my fingerprints, I recognize they are fingerprints of God. And when I'm looking at it, I often then think of this. I think about my eye. And I think there's not a, not a camera in the world that can do what our eyes can do. And I don't even have to think about telling my eye to look at my hand. And with the psalmist, I say, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is a creative genius. This didn't evolve. You can't make something complex on accident. God is amazing in his creative power. So this week, we want to see God through what is created. But there's another way we want to see God. We also want to see and remember God through the activity that he's that has already been in our lives. This is what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did when she met Elizabeth um, for the very first time, not for the first time, for the first time after she was pregnant. Remember that when Mary found out that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit with Jesus, because she wasn't married, she went off to her aunt to her relative's house, her relative Elizabeth, who was pregnant with who? With John the Baptist. A miracle, another miracle pregnancy. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, and her baby leaped within her womb. John the Baptist, the baby leaped within Elizabeth's womb. And then Mary spoke what we, have, what we call the Magnificat. And I want you to listen. You can follow along if you want Luke 1. It's, it's, the Magnificat is Mary recounting God's goodness in her life and the goodness in the lives of the people of God. Look what she said. Then Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this day on, all generations will count me blessed. He's saying, because she's pregnant with the Messiah. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. 
He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who are humbled. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel's servant in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mary exalted the Lord for his mercy and activities in her own life. And then she exalts the Lord for his past activities in the people of God whom she was one of. He has done mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud. He has brought down rulers. He has filled the hungry with good things. Today and this week, we want to be like Mary. We want to sit with the Lord and ask him to help us see all the times that he has helped us and been with us. It's why we're set aside, it's encouraging you to spend time in silence. We're giving you an opportunity this week here at the church to sit with the Lord and, and allow him to show us all the ways he's been involved in our lives. Remember something that, that James said, the half-brother of Jesus. He says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good thing that we've experienced comes from God. So the gifts in our lives are from God. And today and this week, we want to see those things and be grateful to God for them. So do this. To do this, rather. I'd recommend taking some time this week in silence with a journal in your hand and begin to review your life. Think about the events of your life. Think about the good things in your life. Think about the bad things in your life. And oftentimes things you thought were bad, but maybe something good came out of. But the hard things in your life. Ask the Lord to help you to see his hand in those things. And I think if you will sit with the Lord in silence and give him time as you review the events of your life, you will be surprised at what you discover. Begin to write those things down in your journal and to thank and praise God for his goodness. And this is where silence is a key. For some of us, you're afraid of silence. We're afraid of silence because we're uncomfortable with who we are. We're uncomfortable with things going on in our lives and we just stay noisy and busy. We don't have to deal with that real, ultimate, true reality. But silence is the key here. We sit in silence this week you can't do it for you know, Ignatian retreat. You did it for 30 days. We don't get to do that. But in silence, you carve some time out. Look at your schedule. It takes intentionality. At least say, I can go sometime between 2 and 4 on Saturday. But maybe it's every day for a half hour or something. You sit in silence, and, and this week, what you're going to do, and I recommend with journal in hand, begin to go back over your life. Maybe do a timeline. And begin to look for the activity of God. And look at when Mary, what, what we didn't talk about is when Mary here, she's, it was, she became, you know, the, the Spirit was, was active in this. You know, um, when Elizabeth was filled with Spirit, the Spirit came and John leaped, Mary spoke because the Holy Spirit's presence. The Holy Spirit's presence is with us. And you can say, Holy Spirit, help me to see all the ways you've been engaged in my life. So I can marvel at the fact that you have been and are with me. And I think key is the silence here. We need to get away from the noise and the distractions in order to hear from the voice of the Spirit.
if your calendar, you say, I can't carve out time alone. And you could come to the church anytime, as long as we're, somebody's here. But you say, I just can't. My noise is busy. I got kids running everywhere. Saturday, 2 to 6. Come find a place. Come and go. No one's going to talk to you. Come find a place. Matter of fact, if you see somebody else, I don't want you to talk to them. Don't acknowledge other people. It's not rude during this time. Just give people the privilege of silence and solitude from 2 to 6 in this building. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to worship. So today and this week, our desire is to see the glory and the goodness of God. We can experience this by looking for God's fingerprints in creation and his activity in our lives as we've walked with them. So for this week um, and every week, I've provided you with a handout that's out of the, the thing, but I know most of you don't ever take those, so that's also on Facebook and on the website. So you don't have to have the paper copy, um, but there's some available. And I've, we've provided you with some scriptures that you may want to spend some time sitting with to focus on God that are particular towards what we're looking at this week. Also listed on there is the grace that I seek. It's going to remember, mind you, all week long. What, am, what is my focus for this week? What am I trying to... I'm, oh, that's right. I'm trying to experience the goodness and the glory of God through creation and through his activity in my life. And also a little blurb about the spiritual practice of silence and solitude. And so this week, we launch into our retreat that we get without retreating, without going away. We've provided you with some scriptures and, and uh, the time and place. So let's begin this year with determined intention. Let's engage with the Lord through this historic template for retreating and setting aside some time in our schedules this week. Sound like a good plan? Let's stand together. Lord, we are your children. And this is your time. And so, Lord, um, during these days, we so want to be able to experience you. We so want to start this year on the right footing, and we want to get um, closer to you. We want our lives to be more free in you. We want to to experience more of the life that you've designed for us without all the hindrances that we so often carry with us. And so, Lord, this week and today, as we launch into this experience with, with intentionality, I ask for you to literally wrap your arms around every single one of us and to carry us through this time. Holy Spirit, that you would be the director of this time. That you would speak to us in ways we haven't heard before. That you would lead us to see things that we were even unaware of because we're giving you the time. And that, Lord, you would help us because we need your help to just be so aware of your presence and your goodness, and we would see, especially this week, how magnificent you are. So help us, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus.
And everybody said, amen. God bless you, friends. I hope that we're launching into this in a way that will be helpful to every one of us. If you would like prayer, we're available for prayer after church. Otherwise, have a wonderful week looking, looking for the goodness and the glory of God all around you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.